We want to welcome you back to our Determined Truth podcast. Today we're going to pick up John chapter 4, and we'll begin with the account of the Samaritan woman at the well. Verse 1 says, When therefore the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and departed into Galilee. He had to come through, pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Jesus leaves Judea, apparently, to avoid the conflict with the Pharisees, and begins his return to Galilee. What's surprising here is that verse 4 says that Jesus had to travel through Samaria. Samaritans and Jews had become fairly bitter opponents. Strict Jews, therefore, took the longer route around Samaria. They would go from Jerusalem down to Jericho and then up the Jordan River Valley and then up into Galilee, thereby avoiding the, city, the region of Samaria. Samaria is the hill country, but nonetheless, it's simply a straighter route. The Samaritans believed in only the first five books of the, of the Old Testament, called the Pentateuch. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 5, it says, Seek the place that the Lord will choose. Well, in the Samaritan version of the Pentateuch, called the Samaritan Pentateuch, it says, Seek the place that the Lord has chosen. Now, Jews, excepting the rest of the Old Testament, conclude that Jerusalem, which was chosen by David, was indeed the place that the Lord will choose. But the Samaritans concluded that Shechem, which was the first place that Abraham had actually built an altar in the Promised Land, was the place that God has chosen. This temple, however, was destroyed by the Hasmonean ruler John Hyrcanus near the end of the 2nd century BC, and the Jewish destruction of the, of the Samaritan temple only intensified the animosity between the two groups. Nonetheless, Jesus happens to be walking through Samaria, uh, comes up to Shechem in the middle of the, about noontime, the sixth hour is about noontime, and being wearied, he sat down by a well. Verse 7 then says, There came a woman to Samaria to draw water. Now this itself is surprising. After all, most women would draw water early in the morning or at the end of the day, certainly not in the middle of the afternoon during the time of heat. Furthermore, women would often come in groups together, making it a social occasion. This indicates perhaps that she was shunned by the other women, and thus she had to gather water at a time where she could maybe even avoid her neighbors. Note the contrast, of, again, between the story of this woman and the, and the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus uh, is a powerful, educated, wealthy Israelite male who comes to Jesus at night. This woman is an unschooled, despised Samaritan woman, comes to meet Jesus in the middle of the day. There came a woman of Samaria to, get, to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman therefore said to Jesus, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I'm a Samaritan? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, that you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You're not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give to him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give to him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said, Well, sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty, nor that I will have to come all the way here to draw water. He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, You have well said that I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. You worship that which you do not know. We worship that which we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, 
when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshippers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Again, this odd interchange between Jesus and a woman begins with Jesus saying, woman, give me a drink. The woman then kind of sarcastically responds, unless you Jews want something, you don't even talk to us. Jesus responds by saying, if you knew the gift of God and who was asking you, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water and you would never thirst again. This is contrasting with the episode with Nicodemus where Jesus goes directly to the point. With Nicodemus, he seems to like wax eloquently about, oh, Nicodemus, you have to be born again or you won't even see the kingdom of God. Here with the woman, he kind of goes directly to the point. If you knew the gift of God and who was asking you, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. Now, in the Jewish conception, the gift of God is the Torah. But Jesus is speaking to a Samaritan, the Torah meaning the first five books. So if he's referring to the Torah, then he's saying something along the lines of, look, if you knew your Pentateuch, if you knew your Torah, you would know who I am, and your response to me would have been different. I would, after all, give you living water. This water would be a source of life. The book of Jeremiah says that God is a spring of living water. More particularly, Jesus is quoting from the book of Joel, chapter 3, verse 18, which says, In that day the mountains will drip with sweet wine, and the hills will flow with milk. And the brooks of Judah will flow with water, and a spring will go up out of the house of the Lord. When Jesus says, if you would have asked me, and I would have given you living water, that, and it will become in you a, a well of water springing up. The word springing up is actually the same word used in Joel 3.18, where it says a spring will go up from the house of the Lord. Again, an indication that Jesus is the house of the Lord. There's also, of course, references to Eden in Ezekiel 47 in this particular passage where the fulfillment of God's end times temple is happening in Jesus and the source of living water, which comes from that temple, as Ezekiel 47, 1-12 describes, is Jesus himself. The woman then requests this water, but she requests it because I don't want to be thirsty again and nor do I have to come all the way here to drink. She's still not fully understanding what Jesus is saying. So Jesus then says to her, well, you know what? Go get your husband. So then she has to admit, well, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, look, that, you're right. You've had five, and the one you have now is not even your husband. That causes the woman then to respond by saying, look, you're a prophet. It's kind of a change of topic a little bit, because the topic has been her husband's and lack thereof, currently lack thereof. But she turns and says, I know that you're a prophet. The Jews have been denying that Jesus is a prophet. At least they will several times in the Gospel of John. But here the Samaritan woman recognized that Jesus is a prophet. Now, the Samaritans had accepted the idea from Deuteronomy 34.10, which says, Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. The Samaritans concluded from that that there was actually no prophet since Moses. The only prophet that the Samaritans then were looking forward to was the one that Deuteronomy 18 prophesied, that in the last days God will raise up a prophet like Moses. Therefore, if Jesus is a prophet, then is he the prophet? Jesus responds to the woman by saying, Look, an hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. But you worship what we don't know, what you don't know, and we worship what we know, because salvation is from the Jews. Then verse 23 says, But an hour is coming, and now is, when we will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Amazing statement. The woman said, I, I know that the Messiah is coming. He was called the Christ. Remember, they have a concept of a Messiah, this end times prophet. In the Samaritan context, this figure was going to be more of a teaching Messiah more than a royal Messiah. That's why she says, I, well, I know the Messiah is coming and he's going to declare all things to us. 
This is supreme irony going on, of course, here, because she reveals her belief in the coming Messiah in front of the coming Messiah. Jesus then turns to her and says, I am he. Amazing. He unambiguously identifies himself to a Samaritan, even though he hasn't done so to his own people. The disciples then kind of return and marvel that Jesus is talking to a woman. The woman left her water pot and went into the city. And she said to the men of the city, Come and see, a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out to the city and were coming to him. And in the meanwhile, the disciples were requesting Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. But Jesus said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples were saying to one another, Well, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said, My food is to do the will of the Father who sent me, and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say, Lift up your eyes and look onto the fields. They are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Now verse 39 continues, From that city many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testifies. He told me all things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, It is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. After this dialogue with the woman, the disciples returned to Jesus, and they marveled that he had been speaking with a woman, and saying, Jesus, why do you speak with her? But the woman left her water pot, it says in verse 28, and went into the city and said to the men, Many find tremendous symbolism and significance in the symbolism of the woman leaving an old water pot and eagerness to enter maybe into the new. She testifies, though she's still hesitant, this is not the Christ, is it? Actually, her question actually expresses doubt as to the answer. She's not sure. The disciples come to Jesus and say, Rabbi, eat. It's a natural request, of course, to the disciples, but Jesus explains to him, look, I have food that you don't know about. My food is to do the will of my Father, the, the, the one who sent me to do this work. Remember, Jesus is that agent sent by the Father. Verse 35, do you not say that there are yet many months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look onto the fields that are white for harvest. The Samaritans were known for wearing white. So when the woman goes off into the village to get the rest of the Samaritans who then begin coming to see Jesus, it says in verse 39, that from the city that many of the Samaritans believed in him, that as they come out to see Jesus, Jesus looks upon the Samaritans saying, look, the fields are white for harvest. This is probably not what the disciples were expecting. Remember, the disciples are expecting more of a political Messiah who's going to establish a Jewish rule. The Samaritans are part of the enemies. But Jesus says, no, look, the harvest is already at hand. The eschatological era has arrived, and many Samaritans believed in Jesus. Now, initially, they believed because of the woman's testimony, even though the woman herself was a little bit uncertain. Is, this is not the Messiah, is it? I'm not sure that it is. But they believed him. But after a while, because of Jesus staying in the city for a few days, uh, many more believed because of his word. It's no longer because of what you have said that we believe, Samaritans reply. For we have heard for ourselves and know that this is the one indeed who is the Savior of the world. Now note, their believing is not associated with a miracle. Their believing is associated with we have heard for ourselves. In the Gospel of John, you'll see people attaching themselves to Jesus because they believe in him. But if they believe in him because of the works that he does, their belief is perhaps only for selfish and self-centered reasons. If they believe because of what he says, then they believe in Jesus because he's the truth. Verse 43 then says, After two days, he went up forth from there into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they themselves also went to the feast. 
Verse 46, He then came therefore to the city of Cana of Galilee, where he made the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was requesting him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Jesus therefore said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus had spoken, and he started off. As he was going down, his slaves met him, and saying that his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour when he began, therefore, to get better. They said, therefore, to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said, Your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. This again now is the second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. This forms the closing story, uh, the episode in this section that's framed by references to Jesus being in Cana and performing a miracle, his first miracle and a second miracle. Jesus returns to Galilee and, of course, to the city of Cana. But John is going to indicate for us what's going on here. A prophet has no honor in his own country. It seems that many are receiving Jesus. Verse 45, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem. But note, they're receiving Jesus because of what they've seen, not because they have belief in who he is. John then tells us that a a certain uh, royal official whose son was sick in Capernaum comes to Cana and tells Jesus, hey, look, would you please heal my son because he's at the point of death. Jesus replies in verse 50, go your way, your son lives. And it turns out that the exact moment that Jesus said that is the exact moment that the son is actually made well. For John, Jesus does signs, not miracles. Remember, signs signify who he is. Jesus has this ability to heal even from a great distance. 